We all harbor secrets. Some are so dark, even light doesn't intrude. Living, breathing, walking saints are rare on the ground. People lie, cheat, steal, kill. Most of the time, their indiscretions go undetected or overlooked. Sometimes the past catches up and demands a hearing. This is a bad idea, Kraus insists as she pulls the interceptor against the curb. I'm telling you, Jake, we should wait on all the facts to come in before jumping to conclusions. Let me take you home instead. Sleep on it. Things always look different in the daylight and with a clear head. She means well, but I'm too energized to consider resting. Kraus and I are back in Sleepy Harper, outside a smallish house at the end of a quiet lane. We haven't shared more than a handful of words on our way back to town. She knows I was never big on fruitless conversation, and has left me to stew in my silence. Quite rightly, she senses my unease, and I sense it's making her uneasy, too. Please, Jake, reconsider. A salted front walk connects the street to the house, shoveled snow piled high on either side. It's the same scene repeated outside every home in Harper. This is Ned and Nancy Luckman's place, a two-floor brick-and-wood construction that backs onto the Harper golf course. Like the rest of its neighbors, the house is deep in darkness and doesn't look like it's changed much since my leaving. But the stark reality is, everything changes. Sometimes it's slow, gradual, evolving, or decaying over years and decades, so slow that we barely notice. Sometimes it's abrupt, and things are never the same again. The last time I sat here like this was with another girl, Jenna Luckman, making promises that would never be fulfilled. I owe it to her to keep this one. I open the door and climb out. Thanks for the ride, Kim. Kraus leans across the seat. At least let me tag along for emotional support. She wants to, desperately. But the hard line of my mouth is answer enough. Kraus is protective, always was, but this is my responsibility. I'll call you, she shouts as I close the door. I give her a wave and she drives away. Then I draw a deep breath and roll the tension from my shoulders. I must look a mess, sleep-deprived, unshaven, clothes that went out of fashion years ago. I have no idea what kind of reception I am about to receive, if any at all. People are quick to say that time heals all wounds, but it's a lie. Anyone who has lived through trauma or tragedy will attest that time is no solace. Time is a sentence on the soul, stretching out the pain. I stamp slush from my boots, straighten my hat. There's a thrumming in my ribcage, like a frightened bird is trapped inside and trying to peck its way to freedom. I've been here before, lingering at this very threshold, feeling equally nervous, equally useless. But this time I won't be taking a girl to the movies and hoping for a kiss. I pull off a glove and press the doorbell. Let it ring for long seconds. For a moment, I'm seventeen again, conscious of my gawky appearance and anxious about introducing myself to the parents for the first time. My mouth is bone dry and my feet won't keep still. I am not the most popular kid at school. 
I don't stand out in any particular class. I don't play quarterback for the football team. I won't be picked as valedictorian. I don't shine like my brother. I am your average Joe, Mr. Unexceptional, destined to do well but never to excel. I'm not sure her parents have plans on settling for second or even third best. Maybe it's a good thing they never had to. A light comes on inside the house. I lift my finger from the buzzer. Heavy feet sound on creaking wood, a man's voice cussing as he fumbles with the locks. The door swings inward and I come face to face with a ghost. The Ned Luckman of my memory is in his forties with a...